0: Welcome to Across the Desk and our new series in partnership with Maddie Dever, the Autistic Rambler. Maddie is a non-binary autistic advocate engaged in political advocacy, a parent of five, and a very funny person. I think we're going to have a lot to talk about, and we look forward to you joining the conversation. Now let's get to rambling.
1: And welcome to the podcast. This is Maddie Dever and Elizabeth Blue. We are, together, the Autistic Ramblers. Let's ramble on.
0: That sounded vaguely porny.
1: <laughs> no, I would have to emphasize, that was ASMR-ish. That was hoo-hoo. A- ASMR. Don't tell me you don't know what ASMR is.
0: I could tell you that I do, but I'd be lying. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, uh, let's actually get the actual, what the ASMR stands for, because that would be helpful. A-S-M-R.
0: or we could get on to what we got to talk about
1: <laughs> yes exactly well we're gonna be talking we're talking about uh 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 uh, uh not abbreviations we're talking so, about okay. good morning hello
0: <laughs> and welcome <laughs> so we're gonna try again good morning and welcome to across the desk we're back today with our autistic rambler podcast and the wonderful maddie betty Dever. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> And so we kicked off today's, we always have a pre-session, which I think is, it's, you know, a combination of warm up and whatever else. There's another word I was going to use, but that'd be inappropriate. And, um, today was about the queen and Meghan Markle. (laughs) You know, we always start on these weird topics, but you know, timestamp, the queen has just passed away. And, uh, I am a staunch monarchist and a firm believer that you have to do what's best for you. But as my mom said, four years ago that Megan she's trouble <laughs> in my belief
1: yes yes so. and I I'm a monarchist as well I really enjoy the music of Queen
0: oh that was bad <laughs> anyway I firmly believe Megan has a place I firmly believe if she gets her act together she can do great good we're just going to agree to disagree and then Monday we'll say goodbye yeah. to the Queen because uh, yeah. she is a champion
1: oh now can any now but can, harry was saying years ago can anybody find me somebody to love
0: well somebody to love and somebody to be obsessed with are two different things but let's continue on so speaking of obsessions <laughs> um today's about ieps
1: <laughs> <Woo-hoo>! <laughs> totally um, excellent uh fitting uh, our, our well, uh, sort of. i mean yeah, it can
0: become yeah. an obsession so exactly IEPs are individualized education plans I have to cough so fill some space for a second
1: all right so I uh IEPs are the the document the the bible the bible of how a school needs to accommodate the needs of your child
0: I will, I will read what's written from the whole uh, board which is, is, a, is a doodad
1: oh I've, I've got the Ontario government's one up here too so oh, we'll see if they match you're fancy 72 school boards doing things 72 different ways, oh. only in today's Ontario education system. Don't da, don't da, even
0: started with what's this Stephen Leckie? Um, individualized education plan. An IEP is a written plan to help support student learning and achievement. It is a working document which describes the strengths and needs of a particular student, as well as the special education program and services the student is receiving within the resources available to the school board. The IEP summarizes the following assessment data, student strengths and needs, accommodations, in this case, uh, accommodations and strategies that will help the student access the curriculum and demonstrate learning, special education services provided to the student, annual goals, program modifications, and alternate programming, and a transition plan for appropriate post-secondary activities, such as work, further education, and community living. Uh, So IEP consists of three phases developing the plan implementing the plan reviewing and updating the plan parents are supposed to be involved and you go in for consultation and whatever and that makes it sound really simple but it's not um yeah yeah so what it says here just to stick with the process for right now beginning with your child's strengths and needs is an important first step you can help by obviously this is written to a parent audience including your child in the discussions Telling the teacher what you hope your child will accomplish this year, you know, hopes or wishes without a plan. Sharing information about your child with the school. Now, we'll start picking that apart because (laughs) by the time you get to the point where you are able to implement a formal or informal IEP, if you're anything like me as an autism parent, you have gone through scads and gadzooks worth of assessments of your kid for my son started in nursery school and we had all kinds of staff and then we were working with the reach out center for kids and got assessments there and then when he was 5 or 6 we got sent to Aaron Oak Kids and got assessments there so when they talk about um telling the teacher what you hope your child will accomplish this year and all that kind of stuff that's nice <laughs> <laughs> pretty however what needs to be included in that conversation are all the myriad and sundry conversations you've had with the speech therapist and the occupational therapist and potentially the physical therapist and the behavioral therapist and the general practitioner and the educational assessments and the whatever so
1: yeah the disconnected community the disconnected community team
0: I tell you I mean I am shocked. I am not an alcoholic. (laughs) (laughs) Like,
1: yeah, I know.
0: So an informal IEP is where you begin to identify that your child is struggling in school. Nobody can quite figure out what's going on. And you may not have gone on the journey of 6 million people talking to you about your kid. But the school recognizes that they need to do a few things a little different so they start the informal iep individualized education plan process the challenge with an iep is uh, an informal iep is that teachers technically don't have to follow it and the school can't really enforce it an informal iep is usually in place when there's no formal diagnosis or you're still going through testing or you just recognize that a little bit of support is needed or whatever so it's not a bad place to start yeah but you know where the fun begins <laughs> is is the formal IEP process <laughs> And then I have so many dead trees in my house covered with IEPs it's
1: yeah uh, I I <laughs> and I, I have you know uh many many you know Genzo bits tour? of my bits bits of my hard drive. Um, I did I did a Google search because uh, I use Google Drive uh, yeah. where I store most of my important stuff, so that when hard drives die, I don't have to worry about it. Um, and I I was pulling out a lot of the IEPs, so oh, uh, I'll back up. I'll back up a second. My my uh, one of my teen daughters came to uh, came to me. We had we had a conversation after the first day of school, and she said like she really really wants to be you know she's been thinking of the things that she actually needs to that would help her in school and she wants to be part of the uh you know developing the iep for her this year and so she wants she wanted me to actually she needs to see what it looks like so in her head to know what you know so, so she can know what she can ask for like there's there's what you need and what you can ask for and they don't always correlate in the education system like what what you know if if we like this is all supposed to be about understanding the students needs and accommodating those needs but there's you have to do it within the limited you know lingo that this that the uh the school system allows and again it was really frustrating i i i I act as an advocate um uh, an education advocate for for, for parents and uh, what what that means is that when they have, okay, one of the things we there's so many points to jump on this, like it's like
0: we'll cover them. It's all I good. Know.
1: All right. So the whole process uh, starts with you see a kid has a uh, your child has a need, or the school sees that your child has a need, and you know, you can do an informal IEP. But once there's a once there is a um, uh, a diagnosis uh, of of any sort then you, you go through a process called the IPRC, which is the oh, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, in, Individual uh, Placement and Resource something or others. I forget what the C stands for. Acronyms. Oh, oh, actually, I have that right here for IPRC is, come on, Diagnosis, not Diagnosis. It's Identifying students
0: with special identification, placement, and review committee.
1: Committee. I knew it was a, I thought the C was a committee. Anyways, it's always a committee um so once that's done <laughs> they figure you know what level of support your child needs in general in school and what placement they're going to be um and every you know this is what you know, for the IPRC meetings and sometimes the IEP meetings I'm uh I go in with uh parents and thanks to zoom all across the province I've dealt with several different boards and the same set of needs that you know let's say five kids have in five different school boards might give different placements and different language used to describe those placements in those five different things and uh-huh. so it's, it's, there's there's no commonality of language there's no commonality of you know what does informal support mean well in some school boards that means they have a, you know an EA that goes around and uh, occasionally supports kids in our school board informal support means uh that the school board provides some resources to the teacher to on on what and on how to support the child yep you know as opposed to formal which means direct with the child you know that's what that's for where for you them. can get an
0: EA or you can get other yeah.
1: yeah yeah so like just that just that language there so for, you know informal and formal have different meanings and you know what what the child's needs does you know uh what a particular child's needs in terms of enabling those things are are, are different and it a lot of it revolves around what the school boards are able to support so Back to my daughter, you know, she wants to know, you know, what's the language used? Like, what are the things that, you know, she knows what she she's beginning to put to words of what she needs. She said this year, she really, self-advocacy is her goal. She wants to be able to, you know, explain her needs so that she can have her needs met better. You know
0: what? It's um, funny that you say that because my son never got asked to be a part of the process.
1: Yeah. I didn't even know he could be. Yeah. None of my kids have been. You know, she's saying this year, nope, I need to be.
0: Well done, because I wish that had been an option. Because who am I to decide what my son works for him and whatever, whatever. I just found the whole process. So I understand the process. And don't get me wrong. I realize there is some value in the process. But what I think is going to evolve out of this conversation, Maddie, is that the individual who the IEP is being developed for must be, part of it now when they're five okay that's one thing but you could ask do you like it when the bells go off do you Mm -hmm. like it when you go to gym yeah the reason I bring up the gym thing is that because had I realized Thomas could be a part of the process um his grade one would have gone much different because He had been diagnosed with hyperacuity, um, a really, really good hearing. And they were putting him in a gym combined with two classes with screaming girls. And I'm a girl, so I get it. And throwing balls and whatever. And it took them three months to tell me that my son would stand in the corner with his hands over his ears And I'm telling you, it was everything in my being not to throw a chair because I was like, are you kidding me right now that it's taken you three months to tell me you've been torturing my son after you asked me to take him for hearing tests? I did what you asked. I gave you the reports. I came in and had another freaking meeting with you and went over the reports and explained about the hyperacuity and whatever. Yeah. And you put him in a gym with 60 kids. Yeah. And screaming, and balls, and echo. Yeah, they wouldn't look and, at me.
1: And and the interesting thing is, you know, um, the understanding of the complexities of sensory challenges. Yes, which which I I think most most uh, teachers, most educators that have autistic kids uh, in their classes, uh, you know, somewhat can anecdotally tell you that they see issues. Um, with sound insights and and, and do they take and,
0: action or do they just yeah? Kind like, of go, oh well, they we'll, don't, we'll take care of it at the next I, I, yeah, IEP meeting.
1: They don't. Well, here here's the interesting thing in the IEP that I've I've been noticing the last couple of years. There's no place in there for sensory. There's sensory accommodations, but not as a in terms of needs and strengths. Like, I, I it's it's and this it's only recently mm-hmm. that. Um, you know, we, we've talked about sensory diets. This it, it, is only been recently that OTs are are more called in with autistic kids, yeah. Um, because it, it's what 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 are what are, the, what are um, educators usually seeing behaviors? Which and is behavior, not a
0: behavior; it's a reaction,
1: yeah, exactly. And that understanding that the behavior is the tip of the iceberg, and then all of the other things yeah. you know you know going to try to understand the needs of the kids as opposed to the needs of the system. You know the needs of the As system the are the ch- yeah the needs of the system is the child comply and that the class can proceed. The needs of the child are I I I'm having issues communicating. There's or there's sensory issues or I don't understand I social. Yeah, I need, I, 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 I need
0: I, earphones. I need. Yes. Yeah. I
1: need I need I have I have stim energy that needs to be able to be allowed to get out yeah. uh, instead of being stop stimming, stop tapping, stop this, stop that, stop this, stop is the word that we that we hear the most when it comes to us. Yes. And the, is stopping, you know, anytime you stop doing something, the thing that you're doing, the energy behind it ne- needs to go somewhere. Like, Everything gets continual. dammed up.
0: And then what do you do yeah. with it?
1: Then at exactly. two o'clock, to... you
0: have a meltdown yeah. because yeah. it hasn't been allowed to go anywhere.
1: And, and that's the thing. Like some, some parents experience why is my, you know, I'm getting glowing reports of my kid at school, but he's a terror when he gets home. Well, it's because he's had, he's had to stop all thing. day. Yeah. And he's been able to do it, good for the kid, but bad for the kid. And it's and it, Because we don't, um, until very recently, we don't, and you know, I'm saying very recently, because I'm, I'm, in, in many cases, this is still happening. We're not looking at what the child actually needs. Now we're starting to, like, the. I'm looking at the language of OE, uh, OEP, looking at the language of IEP uh, from like now compared to 10 years ago. 10 years ago, it was really all about the child's deficits, what they did, what they yep. weren't doing, and how we we're going to, you know, push them through. Like, what are the things that we're going to do so that they can pass? Uh, it wasn't about- I should pull out my son's food.
0: IEPs. They were terrible.
1: I hated. them. Yeah. They, they were like, they were a, a really bad thing. And I started complaining about this. Like, I don't want to put anything of, uh, I don't want to put all of my kids' deficits here. Start putting, what are the thing. what is he, what is he good at? Yep. What, what are the strengths? And I'm now you know, I think enough of us parents have done that. That the official IEP document in Ontario has off in the first page. You know, like, what's what's the diagnosis? But then, what are the student's strengths and what are the student's needs? Oh, so much better. Doesn't really make much of a difference. Somewhat, it makes a difference to the parents in these meetings because you we're don't not feel talk- so yeah attacked.
0: Yeah, like I yeah. I don't remember having a single meeting that I felt I came out of it. And the IEP was going to make any difference to my son's year. And I had a, so he was 10. So he's diagnosed seven as autistic, diagnosed at nine. Now his official autism diagnosis was Asperger's syndrome. Um, And then, and there's a reason I say that because now all the levels have changed. And I would say he's level one, but that anyway.
1: There's no such thing as levels. I know,
0: but you know, which is why I kind of, and yeah. I recognize the whole Hans Asperger controversy. But what I like about the Asperger's diagnosis is that there are many more positive things attributed to an Asperger's diagnosis yeah. that yeah. should be attributed to autism in general. Yeah. And so it was a way to kind of get around. The autism diagnosis without, I know, but yeah. it, you know, it, we it, ran into it, so many people it's, that it's were like, "Oh, he's autistic." And, I know, but if you said he has Asperger's, oh, that's okay then.
1: Yeah, this is why I. <laughs> I this is why my my biggest thing that I I really wish we could get to is, you know, we look at supporting needs instead of labels because yeah. you have one child that has you know uh, that, that fidgets right. They they could be autistic. They um they could uh, have Tourette's. They could have ADHD, Niche. right? And, and any of those three things. My son's the, got the, both. Whoop whoop. The, the, the knee, oh, All right, he, he's leveled up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Donkey Kong. I, 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 yes, I, I I'm at level thirty six of my autism. <laughs> oh.
0: autistic
1: yeah I'm 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 ready to give I'm ready to give a whole uh uh uh, string of all the things I'm interested about one topic all right he was really good honestly
0: I mean I know we're jumping around but he was really good about that he he never got stuck and I think that's so there's positives and negatives to the way autism presents in my son Mm -hmm. and that he is very amenable he's very malleable um when he was little so he was very accommodating and he wasn't masking because he continued to do the behaviors so i'm in no way suggesting that he would change who he was or whatever but he was easy to interrupt so if he got stuck on something it was easy to divert him and not have a meltdown and so but the problem with that so there's a flip side to that little nugget is that um, he was too easy from an autism perspective for the school board or the schools to manage him. So they would keep removing services and they would keep yeah. taking, because, well, he's doing really well. He's doing well. Cause I work like a freaking nut job. Yeah. to help him learn these things and, you know, work with you and whatever, whatever, nothing you're doing <laughs> is helping this situation. Just FYI. Yeah. And so that's the deficit, is that
1: yeah.
0: when the child is managing, um, and, and if, if, God forbid, they exceed the IEP, yeah. the challenge with that little development is that the next year, well, he didn't need Before, that. Yeah. He didn't need that last uh, year.
1: Exactly. Yeah. It's so, like, okay, but this they, is a
0: new year, and he's grown, and his brain has changed, yeah. and new things are coming up. So what's that got to do with it?
1: One of the most frustrating things that I experienced, uh, especially in the elementary years, was that you know, there, there, there might be an an intense amount of support given in grade one, two, and three. But the idea, and they would say this, is the idea is so we're going to lower things about because by the end of grade six, um, he won't need any because we won't <laughs> have they won't be there won't be any supports like this in grade seven and eight. So, you know, this 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 is the thing that I have been seeing in the last five years is a phenomenal amount of of, of difficulties and and parent parents and teachers wondering what the hell going on. When in between grade six and grade nine, it's like the kids were doing fine. Now they're not. You know, that's because yeah, you took everything because, away. Oh, or, or it's also because kids change the most at that time.
0: Well, they, and yes. their needs yeah, change because the amygdala is yeah. shrinking. Exactly. The, so it, yeah. it it
1: actually you should you should be actually starting to up support and then you know bring it down because the, between the grade six and grade nine, you know, kids are changing phenomenally in the way they process yeah. things, like puberty. Growth, everything's everything. changing. Their ability to handle kids the ability to relate to peers you know if 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 they're not changing but their peers are changing what does that mean ah, la, yeah. la. you know uh, girls get catty boys get you know uh, uh, that's
0: where the the yeah. social development and the um, maturity uh, development yeah. really starts to show and what we found was that during grades say one to four it didn't really matter as much right? The fact that Thomas was a bit behind and whatever. Then we got into grades five and six, and it really started to matter. And uh, the special services at Mohawk School, which I got to tell you, um, I think it's Liz McIntyre. She was fantastic. We found one person. Anyway, um, she advised us to advocate for self-contained learning for grades seven and eight. And they explained the process. We did talk to Thomas about it. And, and he thought that would also be a good idea, whatever, whatever. However, however, <laughs> I then get a call or a something from the superintendent of special education. And I remember this meeting so clearly. So when I know I'm likely to get angry, I tend to find a safe space so I can pace because if I have to sit and be angry, it's going to get worse. Whereas if I'm sort of, you know, it's sort of like solar power, right? Like you can't can't take in energy and discharge it at the same time. So I need to, if you're giving me, I got to, I got to discharge it somehow, or it's going to get ugly.
1: It's just like stim energy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I'm working at Girl Guides of Canada. I went upstairs to the empty boardroom. Thank God it was huge. It's like literally the size of my house and paste. Like I did a a route and I'm talking to this woman (laughs) and she says to me, and I quote, well, our concern about moving Thomas into self-contained learning for grade seven and eight is that's where strong social relationships are developed for high school. And I literally had to stop and collect myself and said, okay, do you know anything about autism at all? Like, anything give me a nugget because well as a matter of fact I I do and I you know I have this and I have that and I have the other I said okay if you did then you would understand that the social is the biggest problem we take care of the social by Friday night family swims and we have a skating club and he's in cubs and scouting and he's whatever What he does not need to worry about is managing 30 hormonal 13 year olds as he tries to onboard his academics and what have you. Then I had to go in front of a panel and defend our decision to have Thomas admitted to the self-contained learning for grades seven and eight. And so the principal was there and the special resource person was there and then i was there so they say their pieces and you know all the statistics and data and the blah blah horseshit yeah. and the lady on the panel looks at me and she says so mrs ploof do you have anything to say i'm like as a matter of fact <laughs> <laughs> and the special resource person and the principal literally were like sitting they kind of went huh
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like it's like the meme of homer going into the into the bush
0: yeah that's just the blast radius they were like because yeah. they were waiting right and i said <laughs> I said, I said, come with me on a little, you know, journey for a second. And I said, um, do you remember your first day of work? And they were both looking at me. I said, you walked in and you didn't know who to talk to and you didn't know where the coffee machine was and you weren't sure about breaks and all that kind of stuff. I said, but over the course of weeks and days, you get to know the lay of the office, you get to understand and know your coworkers you know, you don't talk to Sally before she's had her coffee. You know, you don't talk to David before he's, you know, answered his emails or whatever, whatever. And you learn all of that stuff. And eventually the first day disappears and you don't have to worry about it. And they're like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, so that first day is my son's life every day. Every day, he has to walk in and relearn social dynamic of the classroom every day he has to walk back in and relearn you know what the teacher's doing what the routine is and whatever I said every day is a first day for him for months not weeks I said so he needs to be in a situation where that first day doesn't last for months And we can focus on his academics and we can focus on his strengths. And he can, in a safe environment with only 12 other kids, learn social skills and not have to navigate 30 relationships with 30 different people every day. And to her credit, the lady on the panel cried a little. And I was like, I said, get him out. Like, I don't give a crap what his IEPs have said. I don't give a crap that you think he's handling the day well. He comes home and he's a hot freaking mess. And he's got to go for a nap because he's had to navigate 30 relationships with 60 different people and whatever. And I'm like, yeah,
1: why do you do that? I I think so many autistics um, come home from school or work or whatever the thing more exhausted than the average person because there's just so much to process so many the things first day, to, every day oh my god yeah i mean it's like you just have one small change in an environment and it it means that you have to sort of you know figure out what to do and like supplies <laughs> supply teachers can be the uh worst days because well, there's a change. They don't know about the IEP either. Yeah, exactly. There's a you know, and and it could be all kids change when there's a supply teacher. So it's not just like the supply teacher changing yeah. is the, the thing. Whole
0: energy in the room. <coughs>
1: Sorry about that. I, I breathed too much air. Um, Silly <laughs> <be> rabbit. <laughs> I know. Second water.
0: No, and I, I got to
1: water the rabbit. I mean, here.
0: I think that happens for everybody. Is that all it takes is one person to change the dynamic, and if you've gotten into a rhythm then it becomes something that you don't have to manage as much. And your energy isn't as drained at the end of the day, because it has eventually become habit, it has become known. And then somebody piddles around with that. Are your eyeballs itching? Like, what are we doing? Yeah,
1: so some some dust got in my eye, and it's uh, very itchy. So I'm just trying to you're Manager and
0: like water and you're falling apart. Are you a desert? Like what's going on?
1: Uh no a dessert. I'm uh, I'm feeling I just, like I think I'm a little bit chocolatey today.
0: Are you one after or two? Oh <laughs> uh,
1: I'm a, I'm uh, Go ahead. Yeah. The whole IEP process, like there there's what it is and what we think it is, and what it should be. Could and be. yeah, yeah, could be. I I'm looking at um um my my child's i e p right now I've got it in front of me, and so much of the accommodations are things that they are system things that the system thinks that they might be able to do for the child, <laughs> right um yeah. you know think additional time, digital notes, extra time for processing, yeah, you know time management needs these are not real you know, in many cases they're not real. Uh, they're they're once they're set up, they're not necessarily things that they need to do. Um, but the moment the moment that they're that the teacher, um, who's also trying to manage, you know, twenty yep. thirty kids, who many of them also have IEPs, which is one of the reasons why a lot of the well, there's I, a
0: cap uh, in classrooms, so I think you can only have I think it's up to five if you have a class of twenty five, I believe. There's a cap of like five IEPs per class. I believe that is
1: I, I. Well, okay. So what? What if you have you know? What if you have? Let's just imagine a moment. Grade six, because my kids aren't past that point. But let's just go to grade six for a moment. And you've got sixty kids in the school. Sixty grade six kids in the school. Yeah. And you have twenty-five of them with IEPs. Oh yeah. more and more kids are having IEPs which is one of the reasons why they're getting less and less specific and covering fewer and fewer needs um that are that are individual you know it's why they're having you know fewer EAs there's there's a lot of things but I think there's fewer
0: EAs because there's less resources being put towards the schools yes they're being asked to handle more and more
1: like i i they're not I trained specifically on the actual uh like it's not it's not just autistic kids that require ieps like uh, you know there's 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 kids with physical disabilities there's kids with um uh intellectual disabilities. There's kids with uh different learning disabilities that are not tied to a specific diagnosis of anything else like there's and the resources aren't there we have
0: yeah. so i think we're i yeah. part of and i say this as the parent of a kid with disabilities but i think On some level, we are trying to integrate too much without the appropriate support. You cannot expect a school, for an example, if there's a population of 200 and 10 of those kids are very high need with a combination, right? That's an intersectionality of a physical deficit, uh, a, a mental deficit, and maybe, you know, allergic to peanuts. I don't know. Yeah. And you have 10 kids who are that high need, understandably and agreeably they are going to get all of the ea time because that's a massive safety risk
1: so one one of the, one of the things to, to counter that is to build things like universal design in the classrooms where you're supporting a you're supporting a wider amount of needs from the get go you're you're Agreed. focusing on the needs first you know you're trying to find how do we you know our class is inclusive what are the accommodations oh. that we need to make instead oh, of saying true. how do we make it inclusive? You know, because if if inclusive is the is inclusion is the 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 goal, you know it's really hard to get there. But if inclusion is the start, right? When you're you well, know, that's you're the starting, problem is that the school and, system
0: wasn't designed for that, and so it's all know, it's, it's all retroactive but, fitting, which is not happening.
1: I know, but there are there is a move right now. Uh, I'll, I'll, we're training we're training educators uh on on autism, but we're training them on inter uh on universal design as, yeah. as as part of that um you know hopefully you know within a couple of years we'll have a, a good amount of of teachers uh and and eas and, and all the all the educators yeah. that will have a sense like it you know you're trying to learn about autism specifically because that's important but there's you know if we're looking at universal design like uh, what's the sensory makeup of the class like uh you know visual, having visual some people are visual learners. We know that. Yep. And some people are audio learners. We know that. Some people are tactile. So if you do something that has sort of all three methods to start with, instead of just dealing, you know, up to now, it's, things have been mostly either audioly only or visual only. Yep. You write things on the board. So knowing that kids need different, you know, and some kids need tactile, some kids need to fidget. The more you bring that into the classroom to start with, you it's know, better it works cl- for everybody. Then, then the, the need yeah. to do specific individual accommodations um first of all it's it's lessened but it's also not as not as difficult to add on to what's already there and so it's what it's it's an attitudinal shift not necessarily yeah. you know, it's 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 investing a little bit a little bit
0: it's fixing perception
1: yeah it, it's this the problem that we we faced that we've faced as parents of of kids who have whose needs need to be accommodated in school because you know and i'm just gonna say this right now i hate the term special need and almost uh, you know the vast majority of of those of us who are disabled hate the term special anything as you should yeah like you know
0: because the connotation is not positive
1: exactly there's no there's no good we really need to eradicate special education and call it accommodated education or just call it you know uh, something resources why can't it just be
0: resources yeah,
1: it's, it's addi- additional resources or whatever. But the c- calling it special education is, it, well, it, it puts a, a, a target on the kids. It, there's no good that comes out of using that language. So let's yeah. not use the language. Well, there's
0: a lot of but assumptions I, that come with that around. Yeah. So you see somebody, for an example, who has cerebral palsy. And when you say, oh, there's special needs, the um, automatic assumption is yeah. that there's an intellectual deficit as well. I'm here to tell you, my friend, Dave Dame, who has cerebral palsy, Uh the shit out of that. And he is currently working for Microsoft as one of the um, uh, disability and inclusion. I have to get his title. So when we work hard to change that, and it's so funny that you say that, Maddie, in a positive way in that part of what we do at Spirit Careers Canada, part of what has evolved, which was not our intent at the beginning at all, but we're getting there. We're we're becoming the it for this is um, (laughs) autism and advanced manufacturing and trades and working with employers to to understand and address and, and get rid of their assumed biases around the risk of having somebody who's autistic in the trades or on an advanced manufacturing floor or what have you. And one of the great statistics that we found was in advanced manufacturing across Canada, there's about a 47% accident rate, just because of the nature of the beast. Yeah. But when you look at um, the the neurodiverse accident rate across Canada, it's 7%. <laughs> right? And when I trot those little statistics out, yeah. or I was talking to a, an employer, and I said, I said, let's just for a second. I said, you have 244 employees or whatever in, you know, that yes. I said, so statistically, you already have three autistic people working for you. You should have seen his face. <laughs> it was like, he snuck in. <laughs> what? What's going on? I said, and you haven't had a single request for accommodation. You haven't had a single request for whatever. I said, here's the other thing to consider. When you have an employee, neurodiverse or neurotypical, who comes on the job and asks for a smoke break, that's an accommodation. Yep. And he's like, well, no, that's, I'm like, yes, it is. Especially if they ask to take an additional break or whatever, every time you say yes, that's an accommodation for an atypical behavior in your workplace. So what's the difference between that and somebody asking for instructions to be written down or delivered a different way? And when I was an instructor, what I did with my students was take them through uh, an assessment to find out whether they were visual, auditory or kinesthetic in their processing for learning. Yeah. Did all of that. And, and they look at, it and they're like, Mrs. Bloof. So how are you going to use this? Yeah. So I'm not going to use it. What do you mean? I'm like, I already teach you auditorially, visually, and kinesthetically. That's why we do flashcards. That's why I put stuff up on the board and talk to you about it. That's yeah. why I lead discussions. That's why you have study notes. I said, but you need to know. How you best learn, and I think that's what an IEP doesn't do.
1: Yeah, it exactly. Doesn't
0: empower a student to know their strengths and to know yeah. how to learn, which would really help.
1: Yeah, and this is where you know, uh, going back to my daughter who wants to take this on, and I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking at her her IEP from grade seven, and oh, <clears throat> I mean, it, it it's uh. Is it really helpful? I mean, it talks about it talks about strengths in you know IEP words. It talks about needs in IEP words. IEP, words. And I, IEP it, lingo. Yeah, it's it real. It's really if you wanted to play bu- uh, 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 buzzword bingo, my god, you just read things off an IEP and you you you'd win oh, bingo yeah. really quickly. I hear you. Um, but it's you know, does this provide a path to you know? Her needs and what, where like her goals, right? Yeah. And that's what, like, it's. I'm looking here. You have learning expectations, teaching strategies, and assessment methods. And so, like these, the learning expectations, they're sort of the goals. Um, and but it's, it's really, really. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm reading it now. These goals. Aren't helping her move forward very much. Their goals that are so small enough that it's it would be easy to say they met with the you know, oh, yeah. uh, with the minimal amount of. Then of, they can like,
0: oh, look what we did. We met our yeah. goals. Meanwhile, your kid's still not doing.
1: Yeah. Things. Well, the interesting thing her her annual program goals. Well, you know, will take more initiative for her own learning in various academic situations. She will learn and apply various strategies and tools to advocate for her own needs. Who's teaching her, her level those? Of level of independence in the classroom. Exactly. The interesting thing is she, she went to a summer camp this year, and that, uh, two She one she went to a camp as she was a, uh, a camper. The other one she was a, a counselor in training. And this summer has changed and molded and formed her. Take took a little bit of leadership development. Exactly that. In that summer, these programs did more in those four weeks yeah. than the whole last two years of school, where this has been their goal. Because she now has this, she's taking this on, and like, like they
0: gave her the right tools to yes. do this, is what drives oh me. My god, freaking bananas! So this <laughs> is—they are asking students, expecting students, to onboard advocacy skills and leadership skills, and yet they don't teach them. Yeah. And they don't model them. Exactly. And one of the things that we're doing, right? So when the Ability Hub opens, because Maddie's on our team for that, um, (laughs) we are going to be focused on leadership development because I can guarantee you 80% of the neurodiverse individuals that walk through our door will never have been exposed to leadership development because there's this assumption that leadership means you're going to lead a team or you're going to open a company or you're going to be a whatever oh bugger that that is not babysitting
1: babysitting is leading you know and so many kids so many autistic kids aren't even given the opportunity they're they're steered on a path away from the things because responsibility and leadership uh, because of of, yeah exactly of any kind because there's this there's this mistaken thinking that that we're less than like that we, or that that you we don't might want not be to. able to handle it or we don't want to or we don't have the skills for it of course we don't have, like if you're not if you're not shown the way you're not you're not going to get the skills if you're going to get the skills you're going to find it from someplace else you're going to bumble into it instead of being given well, the you same can't even
0: bumble audience. because you're not allowed to bumble because you can't bumble when you baby- <laughs> No, and i mean that right. i, well, yeah, I, I love I, that I, word yeah yeah that is exactly what and so the hallmark folks of an autism diagnosis is not being able to onboard certain skills osmotically because that's what freaking autism is all about so why would you put it i'm getting angry why would you oh, put okay. a kid in a situation where they're going to advocate and they're going to do whatever okay who's teaching that yeah because if you are expecting that to just sort of suddenly spring forth fully formed
1: oh my god yeah I I, I'm I have worked for years some old. stupid
0: managers. Yeah. I'm here to tell you. That's not yeah. a thing.
1: I'm 46 years old, and uh what what is one of the hardest things for me to do? Self-advocate. Yep. I mean I'm I'm i really as 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 you may have heard, I could speak mostly fluent-ish correctly-ish.
0: <laughs> and we're trying to disprove that.
1: I, exactly. No, I, I'm able to speak, I'm able to get things across. I'm I'm able for to others. advocate for yeah a group of people but you know in my own life what's the hardest thing for me to do a know the issues I'm, I'm struggling with b know what might need to, to resolve that and c ask you know, find the, the thing that will help you with that and yeah. then d actually ask it I love Those how you're counting me- with
0: your fingers and using letters
1: <laughs> well by the way yeah so a, <laughs> a? <laughs> okay I don't know whether it's, 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 it's they're points, forms, like sometimes sometimes there's bullets. ABC. Got it. Bullets. Yeah. Oh, on board. Dot, 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 dot. Yeah. er I Ellipses. Exactly. So that's,
0: I, I More 100% lies. agree with you. Yeah. And I, so, uh, when was the pandemic? So March 20. Might be 20. There's
1: a, there's a point in the in
0: year 2020 and one and two. You sound like a wrestling guy from the. Well, that's
1: exactly what I was going for. Okay. Well done. Yeah.
0: Um, so March, 2020, I was supposed to head to Florida. I had completed my John C. Maxwell leadership and and personal development uh, coaching designation. Mm -hmm. And so why did I choose John Maxwell? There's a point to this because what's that?
1: Strengths-based leadership.
0: Strengths-based leadership. Absolutely. And curiosity coaching, which I think most educators lack and then no offense but you're not taught that so how could you much like you know an autistic eight-year-old advocating for themselves (sighs) with never having been taught um and the fact that it was all uh, there was a very dedicated program around youth leadership and so what we're doing as part of autism job club and spiro and other things is offering this leadership development program called i choose and it's aimed at teenagers. And the reason I feel it's important is that if you are an individual who has a neurodiverse situation and you've never been given the opportunity for leadership development, why am I going to throw at you a Tony Robbins in your face, rah, rah, bullshit leadership development course? Why am I not going to meet you where you are, which is at the beginning of your leadership development journey and give you a very low barrier to entry on learning about leadership and how it can apply to you. And again, we're not talking about you heading out and leading a team or doing or whatever, but if you're 15 years old and you're in high school, you should be a part of your IEP discussion. Absolutely. And you need those leadership skills to, as Maddie said, advocate for yourself and recognize what you need. And in a calm constructive manner, participate in the conversation yeah. And show that strength that you have, which then opens up opportunities for so many other things because leadership development develops confidence. Confidence develops the ability to advocate for yourself, yeah. to go after and fill your knowledge gaps and all these other things. Yeah. That I think an IEP should include.
1: Yeah. Especially
0: yeah. when you get into high school.
1: I, I'm thinking the more' the more we're talking about this and the, the more i've been talking with with my daughter about this yeah. i mean she wants she wants to understand what you know what it looks what the i e p looks like she wants to understand the vocabulary the lexicon yeah um so you know but you know, like honestly i think i think out of this like what one, one one thing that needs to be done is there needs to be uh, you know a a, a guidebook for Kids, you know, by kids to help them, you Ooh. know, be part of the IEP, and I, I'm going to talk to my daughter about that because, like, oh my God, she's <laughs> she really, and, and I mean, I love all my kids. They all have their 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 unique strengths that are unique.
0: You do but have a bit of a Brady Bunch going on. <laughs> I,
1: I, in terms of in terms of leadership skills, every other sibling of theirs knows that mm-hmm. this child definitely. Uh, like the the joke was, you know, if, if, if you know. Uh, I'm in my 60s and I need to be looked after who's going to be the one uh that, that will come look after me it's this one who's the <laughs> one in, in a crisis who's the one that's going to you know figure things out on what to do it's this one yeah. um she has other challenges that are that are more challenging than some of her siblings but she has protect she has these 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 leaderships this, she's got this inherent leadership thing so she just needs to know what to do with it and yeah. she's learning now about herself but she just needs she needs the 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 opportunity and the words unlocked and the the path unlocked because the, per, the really, permission what's the, what's to the, be a yeah, leader. Yeah, what's the point of an IEP? It's to meet. It's it's to accommodate the needs of a student. And you, if you're not taking the if you're not yeah if you're not taking the student's own experiences as part of this, this this really isn't for the student. It's for the school. Oh, we and got you. What, oh. Yeah, and that's and that's and what that's what that's for the school, yeah. so that they can what, pat themselves yeah. on the
0: back and say we did this and and yeah. we met these goals. And meanwhile, I'm sorry. I, I I mean I'm not sorry, but I'm Canadian, so I'm sorry. <laughs> I have been in the education system myself for a very long wow. time, and then uh-huh. I dealt with this baloney.
1: Yeah, yep, yeah, here
0: for 14 years or yeah. longer. On behalf of, so I'm not coming at this as a newbie who's never done it before. Right. I'm here to tell you this yeah. system is broken. And I asked my son's resource teacher if I wasn't who I am. Right. I have yeah. been a stubborn individual. I was trying to find the right word. So I hesitated, but stubborn will do, uh, you know, assertive, whatever. Um, since I was like six years old. Yeah. Yeah. Is who
1: I is. Yeah. So
0: I said to her, if I wasn't who I am, would Thomas be doing as well as he is right now? And bless her heart. Yeah. Absolutely not. He would have fallen through the cracks because he's polite. Yeah. Because he's quiet. Because he can manage. And, you know, whatever, whatever. There was, I was absolutely gobsmacked that if I didn't advocate for my kid. And set that example of advocacy. So now, as I say this out loud, I just put it together. My son is a great advocate for himself. He doesn't take a lot of crap lying down. And when he wants to do something, he wanted to do a a local employment program. And I said, all right, off you go. Go find it. Go sign up for it. Go do whatever. And he did. didn't hesitate. Yeah. I had to give him a little, you know, and then... But I set that example that if you want something done or you need something for somebody, you step up and you say something. Yeah. And if it can't be for yourself, like Maddie has shared, you are a phenomenal advocate for your kids and you are a phenomenal advocate for the autism community. And when what I really admire about you is when you see something that's unfair or could be improved or whatever, you don't hesitate. To involve your time and your expertise and your point of view. And likewise, we were joking beforehand because we have a difference of opinion about the.
1: <laughs> a royal difference.
0: We a royal <laughs> difference on Megan. And. <laughs> but what you said was that doesn't mean we can't discuss it. Yeah. That just means we have to agree to disagree on certain things. And what you also said, which I found really cool, was so, so we were talking about Megan and the decision to take the kids um overseas yeah now all of my family 95 percent of my family and my dad my dad was second of four and my mom was second of five i got a lot of family i gotta tell you like a lot yeah. all yeah. in england haven't seen any of them in 30 years some of them i should say in 30 years and When you were looking at the problem, this comes back to IEPs, I promise. When you were looking at the problem, you looked at it one way. And then I asked you, have you ever lived 8,000 miles away from your family? Because that's what's happening now with Harry and Meghan's kids. And so the same thing with IEPs is that when an educator comes at it, they look at it from their knowledge and from their bias and from their experience. When a parent comes at it, We look at it from what we think we know for our kid. What we're forgetting for the most part is to ask the person who it's affecting Mm -hmm. on some level, five years old, you can ask, you know, when you're sitting for too long, how does that make you feel? When you're six years old, when the noise in the classroom Mm -hmm. gets too high what does, how does that make you feel? And what is too high? Yeah. Because I'll tell you what my noise tolerance is. And that's going to be markedly different than everybody else's. Because I have weird porpoise hearing as well. When you have to get organized in the morning and you arrive at school, how does the confusion of all the lockers slamming and all the people coming in, like how does that affect the rest of your day? Yeah. We can't answer that for the individual that we are creating the IEP for. Yeah, and if we're not asking them, we're teaching them they don't have a voice in what happens to them.
1: Yeah. So what's what's really important? We've we've talked a lot about what the IEP process is currently, and and it's it's important for parents, especially as they're as they're facing uh, going into this. Right now, the IEP is about the system. Um, meet, how using the system and system words and system experiences yeah. to meet the system, uh, how how the system can meet the needs of the kids instead of how, yeah. um, I'm, I'm losing my thought here. But the, the, no, the I understand what is, it's it's yeah.
0: more about managing the resources yeah. that the school has exactly. available to help with accommodations for a kid versus creating a plan to develop skills with the child. And, or, you know, and I say child all the way up to 18. Yeah. Right. Because this IEP should continue into school. Well, whatever, you little folks. Um, Yeah. And I think it becomes more about, this is what we can offer. And these are the resources we have versus actually, I think what happens is they get caught in a certain way of doing things. It was my experience. And they yeah. get caught up in their, their perception of the diagnosis that your child presents with. Yeah. And they get caught up in what they believe are reasonable expectations. And I can't tell you the number mm-hmm. of conversations. And if you've been listening to us for a little bit, we're going to be wrapping up soon. Yeah. You'll know I'm I'm not a fan of other people's expectations taking away opportunities from my child. And when you don't involve your child in the IEP process, you teach them and they don't have a voice. Yeah. You teach them that their experience doesn't matter. You teach mm-hmm. them that they have no say. You do not build advocacy skills with them. You do not build leadership skills with them. And when you are not involved in the process, you know that depends on which role you're listening to this with. Uh-huh. You just let this school create the IEP for you because you think the school has your kid's best interests at heart, and I'm sure on some level they do. You're also abdicating responsibility for what that IEP could look like for your individual kid.
1: Yeah. And, and the important thing is, I mean, parents need to sign off on it. So you, 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 if you go intentionally, you know, you know, Right now we're recording this in the middle of september ieps 10 uh, t- for the school year generally get done uh, from this point to the middle of october um this is a good time to ask your kids you know what do you like to do what do you what do you think you're good at what do you think you're you know you're, you're struggling with what how do you if if you could change something about your school other than not going <laughs> One yeah. more recess <laughs> but it, well, what are some things that what do you want to get out of this this year yeah what do you what are the things that you think that might help you and you know you might be surprised that, yeah going into that because the 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 school's going to create the IEP and then say hey this is what we think and then you're going to have a you know a conversation about it but if if you if if you go into it with your own IEP with your own you know from List. talking with your child you know hopefully the the end iep is going to be somewhere in the middle right but it's going to definitely you know in in everything i always suggest centering it on the child the child's needs and, and reasonable expectations
0: you know, of both things
1: exactly so when you're centering it on the child's needs you know th- no matter what there's the child's going to benefit from that the school thinks they do you know that you do so somewhere in the middle, you know, we're, can't see my we're eye
0: roll, but my eyes are rolling right now.
1: Somewhere in the middle, we're going to get there. Um, but uh, it, the, the whole purpose of this chat today is um, it's it's about <clears throat> our own expectations, you know, understanding our own expectations, seeing what our kids um, how they see themselves, and yeah. then knowing that that we're we're trying to fit in a system that's not quite ready to um, this here, but your kids. You know, leadership skills are just as important for autistic uh, autistic kids as 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 the kid who gets A's. That's not autistic. You know, it's leadership it could be skills. A crappy leader, are by life, the way. Le- leadership skills are life skills. Yeah, you know, they really are. We we you know we call them that, specially to to make them special for 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 special people. But really, you're you using know, the we're
0: special in, word. <laughs>
1: Well, exactly. I know because it, it's not like it's it's. I I'm using I'm overusing it because of the the preposterousness of it, right? Well done. There you go. Life skills are for everybody. Leadership skills, you know, they're 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 good for everybody, and they need to be unlocked for our kids. They, they need to need be need demonstrated
0: to be, and modeled exactly. and made accessible.
1: Yeah, and you know, our kids need to be stretched not you know every once in a while they need to be nudged uh in that direction yeah because it's not something that the that the world naturally will nudge them to yeah and this um, is where you can we, start
0: that though with an iep it's a safe place exactly. public school is not a make or break like let's be exactly. clear
1: yeah
0: grade one not a make or break no. um but this is the optimal safe time to demonstrate yeah. that their opinion matters and this influences other things so when your kids are facing those harder decisions in grade seven and eight yeah. and you know peer influence is becoming they, something yeah. Then, yeah. if you've involved them in the decisions about their life and about what's happening to them and whatever then they understand that their voice matters yeah and they understand that you know i like, obviously don't turn them into little lord fauntleroy's and being all pompous and whatever but
1: exactly you know yeah it's
0: very dated reference wow <laughs> that's sorry about that <laughs>
1: Don't turn them a, in, a, into hey shits. you know what there's i'm sure i uh, i was that that would be a not offensive but I, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll just I, I was just gonna say we have people listening of all ages to this podcast true there we
0: go so little lord fauntleroy will not go anyway the the you know you don't have to know the movie but the the reference is universal uh-huh. um Building advocacy skills and building leadership skills does not mean that your child can demand Smarties for supper or what have you. Exactly. It does not mean that they can behave poorly, but it does mean when they struggle with those social constructs that they're not quite sure how to manage it, they will have the strength to ask for help. They will have the strength to say no. Yeah. They will have the strength to tell you that something bad has happened because they'll know now that their voice matters to you. And if you are struggling with that, so if you are of whatever age group that either, you know, public school and high school was a nightmare, which I hear consistently Mm -hmm. just know that it's never too late to learn those leadership skills that you could have learned during the IEP process and advocate for yourself in other ways an IEP process one of the values of it is that it teaches you going forward that you can use that in the workplace and you can use that in other ways so that you do end up in a successful situation that allows you to flourish
1: yeah
0: and that's what an IEP is supposed to do it is supposed to provide opportunity for growth it is supposed to provide opportunity to attain goals it is supposed to provide all kinds of stuff and as Maddie said towards the beginning I don't think the process is quite there yet. Yeah. We certainly I don't recall feeling a lot of benefit like this IEP would yeah. show up and I'd be like what's the point like you're not going <laughs>
1: Yeah. You know,
0: it's great that you want to have another meeting but I yeah. really don't see the value. Yeah. And we shouldn't feel like that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There's there's a better way to do this.
1: I wanted to add one more thing about leadership. You know, you you're right. Leadership isn't demanding that you have smarties for for dinner leadership is you know uh offering you know your reasons why you want uh uh you know you and your siblings want smarties for dinner (laughs) but it's also listening you know listening to an alternate argument and accepting you know that's that that you can be wrong just yep. as much as you know pushing that you can be right leadership is as much about listening as is about doing 100 and that's you know <laughs> people have a tendency of thinking leading means I've been charged yeah no. that's 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 a dictatorship right yeah. leadership is more than just making decisions it's about it's about learning Working with the team and listening you know you can't you can't if you're if you're demanding everything if you're deciding everything but not looking at all of the things around you you're not really leading and that's the difference between being a team leader and a a manager really that the the term you know managers manage, team leaders lead and leading doesn't you know leading doesn't mean you know uh being right all the time
0: yeah it was interesting because I was I was a girl guide leader for many years and I ran into a situation where somebody decided so they the teams and girl guides for running a unit have definitive roles, and one of them is contact guider, and then you have other roles within that. And just through whatever, I became the contact guider, but never was it a dictatorship, right? Like, I, you know, I anyway, I won't go yeah. into it. It was a collaborative effort to deliver excellent programming and grow our unit, and whatever, whatever. Somebody came into the unit, and the perception was that contact guider was the shit. Like if you were the contact guider, you ran the unit and whatever, whatever. Well, no. And I I am never comfortable forcing anybody to do anything. Like, let's have a conversation, let's And But that person never saw any of that. Just the perception was, oh, you're in charge. Well, I'm only in charge because Girl Guides requires somebody's yeah. name to be on the list. And I happen to be a type A whatever i said but you know we all do it together so they decided they needed to be the contact guider and the challenge was that they didn't understand that leadership comes through collaboration and communication and you know discussion and and what have you don't perceive leadership as an opportunity to inflict your will on others that is not true leadership that is hitler
1: (laughs) yeah we're not not a fan the, the, the biggest thing i've i've learned in the last 10 years is how to how to listen more
0: um
1: and and really um getting away from the echo chambers of people who uh, whose uh, opinions and things are exactly like yours yeah that's dangerous and and, and listening to alternating things because um i i I have learned that listening to other people's perspectives will help Change my own, refine it, and sometimes God, no. you know, you know. I I hear some, I hear uh, an argument that I hadn't heard of before, and it makes me, you know, instead of like gr- holding on to it, like, but I'm right. Yeah, I my precious, decided. my precious opinion, I am right. Yeah, it. it <laughs> I I've learned that I'm not always right um it, you know i may be right more often than not but i'm not always right and other people are also can also be right at different yeah. things like that that um that's what we need in the all...
0: education system yeah. we need yeah, exactly. to remove this unconscious bias towards i'm right and you're wrong because i know better yeah that's...
1: there's there's such you know there there are so many silos uh and uh, there's the educators, then there's the admin staff and the administration, then there's the school board and then there's the union on another side of it. And then there's the parent and the parents and then the the child, everything should be around. How do we meet the child? How do we best meet the child? How do we best meet the needs of all the children that, that gets murky and lost. I mean, I think everybody thinks that that's what the goal is, but when you're, when you're protecting your own thing and when, you know, parents are not considered co-equal we're not considered partners you know it's it, it's challenging and that's that's the attitudinal um barrier that we need that we need and i and i see it at you know a lot of educators are working to you know accept you know the parents as you know as an, an equal to them in terms of what work what may work best and and i see but they're, they're fighting the system they're fighting the system that has like has them seeing 30 different unique kids uh, as well as the rules of how you should do things and the way that things have always mm. been done, but I, I'm I'm seeing that shift, and I'm and I'm really wanting to you know push that shift. It, and, and I'm I'm seeing that that we're you know uh, we're trying to you know, one of the things that the I was part of the Ontario Autism Programs uh, Advisory Panel back in 2019, and one of the recommendations we really had was. That the school system needed to allow community supports. Those, you know, the whether the SLPs, OTs, behavioral analysis. Um, uh... <laughs> okay, all, all right. We'll, we'll, well, I'll, I'll end this right after this. Um, I lost my train of thought. Oh, go figure. Um,
0: Sorry, but important. I have to. We, we,
1: we, we said that it was important that community providers be listened to because they have the expertise of the child as well because they're working with them yeah. and I think I think that's that's the, that's the goal that I think we need to work on most is that all of the people involved in a children's life have an equal understanding and should be at the table to help you know find the way to best meet the kids needs yeah and, and uh, that's 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 one. the goal but starting off with you got to focus on the kid you got to ask them and see what the you know what their perspective is and if they're teens they should be in the meeting
0: I 100% agree. Yeah. We have to go. And I messaged Maddie why. Um, <laughs> so I'm not sharing that with everybody. But you know, so thank you so much for listening today. What we were talking about today was individualized <laughs> education plans. He's waving his hand like the queen. They are, they are waving their royal fingers. Um, <laughs> and they are not amused. So individualized education plans if you are autistic then it's likely you have experienced this particular cluster of weirdness um and what we're encouraging is that it it should be a conversation not something that's inflicted on a kid it should be collaborative between all of the people involved in delivering the iep to the child and we're not slamming teachers and admins as you know whatever we just the process which must be equally frustrating for the people involved from a, a school board perspective isn't optimal and it's time for some change and it's time for some conversation from the folks who are most impacted by it and it's time for you know stephen lecce or leachie or litchie or whatever the flip his name is to the
1: you, honorable minister of education
0: the honorable ding dong of, anyway um to be realistic about the funding and the resources and the what have you. We cannot continue in this model where there's not enough resources to help all of the kids that need it. And I am not suggesting that we fine tune every little piece. That's not reasonable, but we could be doing better. And I have been in a situation over and over and over again, where another child has come in who has greater needs than my son, and the conversation always goes, Thomas is doing really well. It got to the point where I would just say, Where's the butt? Well, there's no butt. I'm like, There's a butt. Yeah. yeah, this butt. Well, so they would just exchange the butt for a well. Another yeah. child's come in, we have to cut back. My son needs those services, he needed them. Yeah. At the time, yeah. we wouldn't have put them in his IEP if he didn't need them. So the fact that my son then has to suffer, as far as not getting the access and support he needs
1: because yeah. there's
0: not enough resources, is not okay.
1: Yeah, you know, I have so. well, one. One of my kids, uh, I got called um, a lot by school, um Preach. and every and every time, and I we're gonna, hopefully we'll just <clears throat> it's very really quick. Every time there was a call. You so like <clears throat> such and such child did this, and I would ask, "What happened before?"
0: Exactly. Well,
1: and it was yes. always something that the the IEP wasn't covered. The i the, they they, yep. they did not do what our plan was or what our safety plan was. And every single time, every single time, it was caused by something. Her their needs was not accommodated. Yep. Their needs was not accommodated, which
0: we had to been agreed upon. This was yeah, not exactly, implemented. Exactly. exactly. Ahead These Ahead are had like in agreed upon down. and
1: exactly thing. So I re I it was after, after that kid I realized the IEP which I had led to believe was something that they're required to follow was not something that they were they were it's not actually suggestion. doing that. Exactly. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and, it, and it made it really difficult. And um so now with this with this this other child, you know, who wants to take you know ownership of the process, well you done. know I I I I want to, you know, have her lead on this. So that we can help uh, other kids, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm really hoping that out of this we can come up with something that can be uh, uh, a, a guide that other other kids that want to have their needs met to can use. Maddie, um, if anybody
0: can do it, it'll be you. I'm no doubt about that. You're gonna get that bit between your teeth, and you're gonna be like, "This is a thing. How am I gonna make it happen? Who can I connect yeah. with?" And you're so very well connected to agencies and advocates and other things that can help make it happen. Yeah that you know that's what we need and then your your all of your children see that example and take that yeah. forward and they will find what's important to them yeah and
1: yeah we'll turn the IEP in, we'll turn the iep into the my ep seriously okay <laughs> yeah my okay. ep gotcha seriously <laughs> all right. i gotta well, get my crown out you know, of here thank you very much everybody for joining us today wherever you may be and whatever listening platform you're using
0: Yes, there's 11 to choose from. So we're good. Um, Thank you so much, everybody. Our next topic is actually going to be something that we referenced earlier, which is that all that overwhelm that happens with the sensory processing when school starts. I had that uh, and I'm neurotypical. It's a lot of energy. It's a lot of noise. It's a lot of whatever. And and we're going to chit chat a little bit about what that looks like, the intersectionality of neurodivergent diagnoses and how that impacts sensory processing and what you can do in a school um, to help yourself. If you're in university and you're dealing with a lot of stuff, you're in, you got a kid in public school and you're dealing with it, we're going to chat about all of that. And that's going to be next time on the Autistic Rambler.
1: Absolutely. Looking Uh, forward to it. In the words of the queen, toodaloo! Ta-ta! Cheerio! Cheerio! And shreddies too." Okay. My that's, actually how we, that, that's actually how our family used to My throne's going to spring a leak. We got to go. Yeah, my, my grandmother would say cheerio and we'd all say and shreddies too. And that's how we would say goodbye. oh that's
0: cute. Yeah. All right. Cheerio.
1: And shreddies too. There you go.
0: Thank you for joining us on Across the Desk and our new series, The Autistic Rambler. Please visit SpiroCareersCanada.ca to learn more about the tools we're building with the autism community. And please visit TheAutisticRambler.com to learn more about Maddie Dever.